Hello. Hello again. In this segment, I'm going to go over a large amount of the data that's been collected surrounding suicide. I want to be very adamant and iterate the word data. Data and statistics are not synonymous with information. I've gathered a large amount of statistics and data from the Center of the Disease Control, the National Institute of Mental Health, the National Institute of Health Statistics, the World Health Organization, various periodicals such as the, the Atlantic, New York Times, the Washington Post, BBC, Japan Times, and a few other resources that are uh, available on the, on the internet. Unfortunately, and sadly, almost anything that you find through these resources is going to be just a collection of data and statistics, almost like a data dump. So what I mean by that is it's not been mulled over. It's, the information has not been extracted from the data. It's just a bunch of data points. And that doesn't really tell very much of a story because you can make stats and data pretty much tell any story you want if it's not put in context and if it's not really analyzed. So I'm not gonna claim to be able to analyze all this data in this segment, but I do want to start to put some continuity to this data, some, some slight understanding and a few theories, if not, if not uh, direction, okay? So there's a lot to get through, so I'm gonna go ahead and get into it. I'd like to start this section with a quote, the quote that you saw leading into this section. Numbers help to admire a problem, not to solve it. This quote comes from a friend, Berkshire, and when Berkshire told me, or uh, yeah, when he told me this, this quote, it really, it really, it really had an impact on me because I feel that it encapsulates what the discussion around suicide truly is right now. Let's, let's listen to that one more time. Numbers help to admire a problem, not to solve it. I believe that very much encapsulates what's, uh, what's gathered out there right now for suicide as opposed to information because information will help us start to at least solve this problem. Let's go ahead and get into these statistics. We've got a lot to get through. Causes of death and here in the United States. A lot of these statistics and data are gonna be domestic, local to the US, but I have a good amount of global stats as well. All the information, all the resources, and all the data and stats that I've collected will be available for download. Causes of death here in the US, 2015, 2015, Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. It was the 7th leading cause for men and the 14th leading cause for women. Now that does not really say the truth because women have a much higher rate of suicide, well reported, okay, reported, a much higher reported rate of suicide attempts and suicidal thoughts than men. But men have a much greater success rate at suicide than women do, so it's not it's not gender-specific suicide. It's, it's very much across the board. We'll get into that a little bit more. 
in just a minute or so, I'm gonna to get to a couple of the age groups of this causes of death, okay? Now, causes of death for ages 10 to 14, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old, and 14 years old. It's the third leading cause of death. That is unacceptable. That is much too young of an age to even be contemplating ending a life. Yet it's the third leading cause of death here in the US for ages 10 to 14. Now, now if we go to the next group, the next age group, ages 15 to 34, it then leaps to number two. It's the number two leading cause of death in the US for ages 15 to 34. Suicide is the number two leading cause of death for ages 15 to 34. The prime, healthy, productive, vivacious hum human years. And for some reason, it's the second leading cause of death here in the US for ages 15 to 34. That is unacceptable. We need to figure this out. We need to really, really figure this out. If we look at these stats just a little bit more, suicide is very much on the rise. From the years 1999 to 2014, suicide went up by 24%. 24% it rose from 1999 to 2014. That is a 30-year high, a 30-year high. What is going on here? What is going on? The, the Great Recession only happened in 2008, so that's nine years prior to that that it was still increasing. So it can't be 100% related to the, to the recession and to economics, now can it? If we look at these stats just a little bit more, males are four times more likely to commit suicide than females. But don't forget, females have a much higher reported rate of suicidal thoughts and suicidal attempts. So if we delve into these stats just a little bit more and how much they truly, are, it truly is suicide, how much it truly is a, a, something to worry about in our society, suicides are twice as frequent as homicides here in the US. There are twice as many suicides per year as there are, as there are homicides. You don't hear that on the evening news. You don't hear that on morning talk shows. You don't hear that on the, uh, the afternoon uh, coffee, uh, coffee talk when you're, when you're in, the, in the office, right? A water cooler talk. No, you hear a lot about gang violence, you hear a lot about drug busts, you hear a lot about bad driving, and you hear a lot about politics, but yet suicide is twice, twice as frequent as homicide. We gotta look into this. We've gotta figure this out. So how many suicides were there in 2015? 44,193, listen to that number. 44,193 suicides here in the US in, 20, in 2015, no 2014, I apologize. Now, that is, a, that is a very, very, very high number. That is a very high number. But what's even scarier and what's even more frightening is that, that there are 25 suicide attempts to every successful suicide a 25 to 1 ratio attempts to successful suicide. So if you do the math on that, that comes out to 1,105,000 suicide attempts per year. That would wipe out an entire state, Montana, Wyoming, Alaska, just these individual populations are right at a million. So if, we, if, these, if these suicide attempts all of a sudden become successful, Think about it, it, more than, it, it, it increases by 25 fold. So it's not, it, it's not specific to gender and it's not specific to populations. It's across the board. 
if we break down those stats a little bit more, let's see the, let's see the causes of those suicides, the successes. 22,018 were from firearms. 11,855 were from suffocation. 6,816 were from poison and 3,504 were from some other method. So firearms were more than double the next, the, the next highest number, right? 22,018 firearm deaths or firearm suicides to 11,855 suffocations. That is right, right at double, right at double. Now, if we break this down gender-wise, males have a 55% of male suicides are from a firearm as compared to 30% for females, uh, 33%, I do apologize for that. 55% of, of male suicides are with firearm, 33% are females. If we go down to the next level, there's a huge, there's a huge difference. Suffocation, only 10% of male suicides are through suffocation as opposed to 30% for females. So there is a huge difference there. Women really shy away by about 20% using firearms. Men really shy away from suffocation by about 20% compared to the gender balance there. But if we go down to the next level, poison, it's 27% across the board. 27, just at a quarter of all suicides regardless of gender are from poison. And then the other, the other methods, men are at 8% and women are at 10%. Pretty level, pretty even on that one. So firearms are by far the leading cause of, of suicides for men. And they do, they do have the lead for females by 3%. So we gotta look into that. We gotta look into that. Race and ethnicity. Let's see if race and ethnicity has anything to do with, uh, with suicides. Well, the first, the, the largest, the highest group of suicides, and I do not agree with this grouping. I don't understand why it's grouped other than it's maybe easier for, this, for the statisticians, for, a, for an easier query, but American Indians and Alaskan Natives are by far the highest. Now, I do not believe that that group should be put together. I believe it should be broken out. They do not live in the same climate. They do not have the same cultures. They are not the same people. So I do believe those should be broken out. This is, again, what I say. We have a bunch of data, not information. So. American Indians and Alaskan Natives lead, yet the next group is white population, the white Americans. Below that is the Hispanic Americans. Below that is the black Americans. And then the bottom, the, the, the last uh, rung on the ladder for, for uh, ethnicity with suicide is another grouping that I do not agree should be grouped together. Again, they should be broken out. Asians and Pacific Islanders. I do not see the connection there other than it's easier for queries. I truly believe that. The one ethnicity or the ethnic group that really catapults above all of those, which cannot be considered a certain grouping, right, is any, is, is, is any, or any human, any American has two ethnicities. So Mexican-American, I'm Mexican-American, I'm Mexican Hispanic, white. So I'm, I'm already in the highest percentile of suicide according to these stats. But that could be black-white, that could be Asian-white, that could be Asian-black, that could be uh, uh, Pacific Islander, Alaskan Native. Any two ethnicities mixed are by far the highest. That makes a little bit of logical sense in that they are an extreme minority regardless of the population they're in. That does not qualify it and that is not a causation, but it is at least understandable the isolation and the lonesomeness that they feel. And that is what leads to suicide, not depression. Depressed people don't want to leave the earth. They don't want to be depressed. 
lonely and isolated people choose suicide because they feel they have no one to reach out to, no one to connect to. So in that context, yes, I can understand to some extent how a, a mixed ethnicity absolutely leads the path. The World Health Organization has done a, quite a few studies. And what's really, really scary is this is not a domestic problem. This is not a US problem. Over the last 45 years, globally, suicides have gone up 60%. 45 years, gone up 60%. We're at a 30-year high after, what, from 1999 to 2014. What's going on here? It's not, it's not local to us. This is a global issue. This is a global issue. In that 45-year study, 55% of all suicides are from the ages of 15 to 44. Again, prime, vivacious, alive human years. And people are choosing to take their life. That is terribly, terribly sad. If we bring it back domestic just for a few, just for a few moments here, with that 44,193 suicides, that breaks down to about 121 per day. 121 suicides per day. But what's really staggering is that seven out of 10 suicides are male. Not only are they male, they are white male. So 70% of, of the suicides domestically are white males. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't quite understand it. It cannot be all economic based. The reason it can't be all economic based is that from 2009, our unemployment's gone like this, but our suicide rates have gone like this. You often hear them relating this to unemployment and poverty. That's not the cause. That is not the cause. During the Great Depression, you, there were quite a few wealthy, happy, uh, job-secure people that committed suicide because the bottom fell out of their bank account. So that's an acute condition. That's an acute reaction to a long-term problem. Finances, right? That's not depression. These people weren't depressed. These people all of a sudden were broke after being extremely wealthy, so they decided to take their lives. That's an acute condition. We have to look at that. We have to really, really start to separate suicide from depression because depression doesn't lead to it. For some reason, when people feel a panic and overwhelming fear of a certain reality, that's when suicide peaks in a very acute condition. Now, I really want to focus on the youth for a moment here. The youth, let's, let's just focus on high schoolers. That, and high schoolers is defined grades 9 through 12 in this, okay? 17% of all U.S. high schoolers consider suicide. 22.4% of all female high school students and 11.6% of all male high school students. Listen to that. Almost a quarter of all female high school students consider suicide. 13.6 of all high school of US high school students plan out a suicide. They actually detail out how they're going to carry out their suicide. 13.6 of all 9th through 12th graders here in the US. That's 16.9 of females in the high school and 10.3 males in high school. That is astronomical. Even scarier still is the number of attempts. 8% of all high school students, almost 10% of the entire U.S. high school population, almost 10% attempt suicide. 10.6% of the female high school population and 5.4% of the male high school population. That is unacceptable. What's going on here? 
what is going on here. If we focus on maybe ethnicity in this, in this study, just for a moment, I want to break out the Hispanic ethnicity in the, in the high schoolers because they do have a, a strong, significant difference or a statistical difference, all right? They are an outlier. For some reason, Hispanic high schoolers grades 9 through 12 have an 18.9% of considering suicide, 15.7% of planning a suicide, and 11.3% of attempting suicide. So listen to that. The overall population only has 8% attempting suicide for high school, uh, U.S. high school students. For some reason, Hispanics have 11.3. That's almost 50% higher. That's very close to 50% higher. 0.7 away, isn't it? What's going on here? They, as a matter of fact, Hispanics lead in every single category. Overall population considering 17. Hispanic considering 18.9, 2% higher. Planning, overall 13.6. Hispanic, 15.7. Again, 2% higher. But then you get down to attempts. Overall attempts is 8% for the high school population, yet Spanish is, or Hispanic is at 11.3. I don't, I, I, that, it, it baffles me, and I do, I, I want to put a lot of time to looking into that. I, I, I truly do, I truly do. So let's take it outside of the U.S. for a minute. Where can we go to look to really compare what's going on in the U.S. to what's going on in other countries? I chose Japan. Why did I choose Japan? I chose Japan because they have, the, in my opinion, and from everything that I could, I could research, they have the most similar economy than, that we do. And therefore, there is a strong comparison, in my opinion. So I chose Japan for a very specific reason. They have a very similar economy. Not only that, they have the lowest rate of, suicide, of depression in the, in the world for industrialized country, only 2.5%. So I really, wanted, I really want to focus on the fact that suicide and depression are not positive correlation at all. It is not a causation, yet we treat suicide as if it's a depressive symptom, a depressive outcome. It's not. So Japan has a 2.5% overall depression rate, yet they are the second leading industrialized country in suicide rates. They lose 70 people per day to suicide. What's going on here? What's going on there? They've done some surveys, and it was with the younger population, ages 25 to 29. In the ages of 25 to 29 in Japan, there is an extreme fear of job security an extreme fear, very similar to the US. In Japan, Japan used to be known as the land of lifetime employment. It is now known as the land of precarious employment. There is no job security. There is no financial foundation. There is no comfort in knowing that you're going to have a job tomorrow. That is very similar to the US. I know, I've, been, I, I've had multiple jobs, almost countless jobs since I graduated college which was supposed to guarantee me some job security, now wasn't it? Well, with these certifications, we pretty much, we're, we're just like Japan. We, we, replace the, we replace people as if we're in the matrix. We just plug them in because they have the exact same certification. That doesn't mean skill level. That doesn't mean communication level. That doesn't mean wisdom and maturity. No, it's all about the bottom line. So that's very, very scary. That's very, very, very scary. And that causes a lot of lonesomeness, doesn't it? 
because how are you going to go out and mingle if you don't have the if you don't have the finances to even mingle because we don't have communities anymore we're a bunch of individuals living next to each other with the door closed they also did another survey in japan with the same age group 25 to 29 and they found that 20 percent of males 20 percent of males in japan ages 25 to 29 have no desire to have a sexual relationship that is not even close to human right humans are we need to reproduce in order to continue to to flourish and to have population right in order to have future generations yet in the prime reproductive years 25 to 29 they have no 20 percent of the population has no desire to have a sexual relationship I think we have a very similar condition here in the U.S. when you look at the amount of apps that are out there for matching everybody up. You have Tinder, you have Plenty of Fish, you have Match.com, you have eHarmony. I actually heard a commercial the other day for eHarmony that says because you pay for it, it's more valid. What? This is how separated we are from each other. We're allowing an algorithm to tell us who is, who is a good mate for us. The same algorithms that are telling the, the, the corporations when to let us go because it's better for the bottom line. I do believe that this causes an extreme amount of isolation and loneliness and fear. That leads to suicide, not depression. Not depression. So I do want to go ahead and break down the, the industrialized countries for us, just to put it in context. Russia leads the world in suicide for industrial, uh, industrialized countries at 21.8 for every 100,000. Almost 22 for every 100,000 people in Russia are committing suicide. Japan is at 19.5 for every 100,000. France is at 15.1 for every 100,000. The U.S. is at 13.4 for every 100,000. 13.4 of U.S. citizens are committing suicide every year per 100,000. Germany has 12.6, Canada has 11.3, and then there's a huge drop-off after, after the first six. The UK has 7.5 and Italy has 7.2. They're not even in double figures. We should see what they're doing. We should see, we should, we should see what's working in those cultures and in, in those countries. It cannot be pure economy because not all of those countries have the same economy. Russia, Japan, France, US, Germany, Canada. We don't all have the same economy, so it can't be purely economic-based. We don't all have the same unemployment levels. We don't even all have all the exact same political systems. So it's very, 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 it's a very human condition. We need to figure this out. I think it has a lot to do with not being able to communicate with each other. I truly believe that, giving each other a hug and being there for each other. So how do we go about solving, at least a good, uh, starting to solve these, these issues? Well, let's go ahead and see how the governments and the states look at the issue, and therefore that's how they treat it through their, through their uh, healthcare systems. Governments and state governments look at it as a work loss cost. It's a profit to loss margin for them. Where's the empathy in that? Where's the understanding? Where is the, where is the genuine concern for your fellow man and fellow woman? for your fellow human. Where is the humanity in that type of algorithm? It's a, it's a purely profit and loss uh, margin. It's called a work loss cost. How much did the state lose to people who committed suicide uh, that year? Or how much did a country lose to people who committed suicide? Who cares? 
Stop focusing on the, on the money. Stop focusing on the numbers and start looking at the individuals. That's what I say. That's how I go about it. So I think that we could really start to solve this problem with about uh, changing a, a few of the things in the way that we go about even just employing people, okay? Just employ. How about we get some job security? How about we get some job security and stop just replacing people because it's financially financially profitable for the company, which is treated as a human for some crazy reason. Companies have human rights in America. 14th Amendment applies to them. What? Let's go ahead and remove that. Let a company be a company. Let all those investors and all those shareholders hold some responsibility for when things go wrong. Each, and in, each individual one. I agree with that. How about some livable wages? How about that? You could be a full-time employee here in the U.S. making minimum wage, and you're still below the poverty level in the majority of states. That is not a, a successful paradigm, except for those companies that have human rights. I say get rid of that. That started with Santa Clara versus uh, the Pacific Railroad. Look into this. That is when, from the notes from a, from a judge's clerk who put some notes into a case, that is where these corporate lawyers went and manipulated the system and turned corporations into legal entities of humanity. What? Beyond that, we need to work on the work-home balance. There needs to be a much stronger work-home balance. Most of the uh, households in the U.S. require a two-income family. Well, that means nobody's home for the children. It's no wonder that suicide is, is rapidly growing in the youth and in the high schoolers and in young adults. Nobody is there to nurture and to care and to hug and to love their own children because they're overworked, underpaid, and stressed out by the time they do get home. And not only that, we eat garbage food on a regular basis. That's why the, that's why the Department of Education considers ketchup a vegetable so they can feed us hamburgers and tater tots and call it a value meal. What? So if we're feeding each other horrible food, our bodies are already under, uh, under extreme stress, our, our minds are not working right, we're, we're removing the parents from the home, forcing the teachers to try and teach not only education but also social skills. No, that's not going to work and it's, it's showing. It is showing in the statistics. Let's start, let's get down and dirty with these statistics. Let's not lie to ourselves anymore. You're darn right I'm passionate about this. You're darn right I'm upset about this. I lost my mother to suicide when I was 17. It was her fifth attempt. The previous four with pharmaceuticals, the same pharmaceuticals that were supposed to be helping to cure her. The fifth one was with a firearm. Successful. So yes, I have a very personal connection to this. I want to end this entire, this segment right here, speaking of how I think that we could really go about it. It's called a tree analogy. In the Western world, we treat leaves. Leaves are symptoms, right? So we have a cold, we have a headache, we have uh, a cancer, we have uh, a stomach ache, we have depression. But you know what? We're not treating the limbs, and we're not treating the trunk, and we're not treating the soil. If we all start treating our own soil, that soil becomes nutritious. That soil then creates a very strong trunk. And with that strong trunk comes very, very, very powerful limbs. And with those powerful limbs come beautiful flourishing leaves. And if everybody just treats their soil just a little bit, just a little bit, all of the soil in the forest becomes very nutritious. And all of the tree trunks become very strong. And all of the limbs become strong and they intermingle. And the leaves start to just really radiate and they touch 
We have to start being there for our communities. We have to start being there for each other. Let's treat our soil. Let's treat our soil so that we can strengthen our entire bodies and our limbs can flourish. And we can start to have beautiful leaves that do not need to be treated. That starts with community. That starts with healthy diet. That starts with work-home balance. And that starts with stopping to look at suicide as a work-loss cost to the governments and to the states. You're darn right I'm passionate. And I'm, I'm willing to work on these numbers and really pull some information out. If you're willing to work with it too, if each of us do just a little bit, you heard me mention this in a previous segment, that if we all give just a little bit of effort and change our paradigm just a little bit on how we look at this global epidemic, we can make huge, powerful changes. Huge, powerful changes. We'll see you in the next segment.